How many of you have been enjoying this series on Proverbs? Amen. Yeah, it's been awesome. I've been blessed by it and uh, changed by it and challenged by it. So I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. For those of you that are just now getting on the on-ramp online and here in the house, we've been taking the series, we called it Wisdom for Dummies, but what, what, what really Proverbs does is it helps us through the Holy Spirit when King Solomon and others wrote, it was to acquire and then apply God's wisdom to every one of your decisions and to your daily activities. So this is not something you do on Sunday to do, I did the spiritual thing, checkoff list. This is to apply it to every decision you're going to make and every activity you're going to be involved in. Whether it's your, your family life, your dating life, your business life, every single, your career path, your schoolwork, all of this goes in to apply to your life to see God's blessing. So our main text is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. How many have memorized it? Oh, my goodness. we got to start the series all over again. Amen? Come on, memorize it. All right, come on. It's up on the screens. Let's declare it together. Ready? The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, I don't have time to go through all the series, but you need to go back to the very first one. And the reason why this text, this particular verse is so important is if you do not understand the fear of the Lord, it's not being afraid of the Lord, it's to know his character, his holiness, his love, and that he paid the price in order that you do not have eternal destruction, but because of his love and his holiness, he makes us holy through Jesus Christ, then I fear being away from him. I got to have him. And when I apply the fear of the Lord in my life, it's really daily relationship with him. Here's what happens. Listen to this closely. All the other fears in my life begin to fade until they are gone. That's why the Bible said, Jesus said, perfect love cast out. It drives out all what? Fear. So, whenever I look at my life, whatever I am afraid of in my life as pastor is directly related to my lack of fear of God in that area. So the more I fear God and I apply what he says to that area of my life, guess what happens? Less fear about that area of my life. So the greater your fear of the Lord the less fear you have of anything else that tries to control you. Oh, my, my, my. Isn't that good? That's why I love being in the presence of God, because it makes all my other fear diminish when I get the fear of the Lord. Now, I want to talk to you for the next two Sundays about one of the greatest fears that is plaguing America. You ready for this? Money. People say, well, money's not the most important thing in my life, but it's up there with oxygen. <laughs> money. A recent survey was just taken that 90% of individuals in America say that money has an impact, watch this, on their stress level right now. Money. 65% of Americans report feeling that their financial difficulties are pulling, pulling up, are piling up so much 
that they think they'll never overcome their debt. 65%. Well, why are they piling up debt? It's because never satisfied. No contentment. How many remember that one? So I got to have this more to make me happy, to have a little bit of joy. 65% is piling up so much, I don't think we're ever going to get out. So you think about that. What does this mean? The reason why there is so much fear as it relates to their resources, their provision, and their finances is directly related to not applying the fear of the Lord into that area of their finances. That's why some people would rather have a root canal than enjoy offering time in a church service. They don't like when you talk about money. They don't want to get involved in their personal life. Why? When you apply the fear of the Lord to your finances, your retirement, your career, your work, you lose fear over losing those things. Oh my goodness, how many say amen to that? So let's talk about wealth for a little bit, just for a moment. Proverbs 3, chapter 9, and verse 10. Are you ready for this? It says, honor the Lord. What's that? That's the fear of the Lord. Honor means to have respect, to have awe. Fear of the Lord. Honor the Lord with your what? Your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. The very first of what you begin to earn. Watch this. Then your barns. Then. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Not just enough to take care of yourself. He wants you to live in an overflow. And there's a reason for it. Then your barns will be overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And everyone goes, that's what I want. I want my barns full and I want my vats overflowing with new wine. Well, let me tell you, the reason God gave us this was not to produce a bunch of fat drunks. <laughs> Did you hear what I said, American Church? He didn't bless you so you'd just be a fat, lazy Christian drunk. And I'm fixing to dig in this. You say, how can he say that? Well, I don't do anything outside of the Bible, so just work with me here for a minute, okay? Because that was not the purpose. When you start looking into Proverbs, the reason for acquiring wealth was to have overflow, not just to take care of your needs, but he wants you to do something that is so beyond you, you'd never dream because you fear the Lord with the way you treat your finances and your wealth and your provision. So look what he says in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Look what he says. Give freely and become more what? Say that word. It's not a bad word. Become more what? Wealthy. Be stingy. Lose everything. The generous will what? Say that word with me, church. It's a good word. The generous will what? Prosper. Those who refresh others they themselves will be refreshed. The most refreshed people in the Holy Spirit I meet are some of the most generous people you'll ever meet. You say, now why is this so important? Let's go over because so many people don't understand their wealth and how they use their wealth and what the real purpose is for it. He, wants your, he, he said he wants people to be prosperous. He talks about all that, but what is the motivation for you asking for the pay raise? In fact, why are you really going after that degree? What's the real motivation? What's the real motivation for showing up early? Is it just to acquire more wealth? What, what is it really? Well, Paul had to talk to, the Apostle Paul had to address the new believers in the church of Corinth. There were those first believers in Corinth. There were Gentiles that came to the Lord. And if you read the story and study the Corinthians, these folks were wheels off, immoral, 
and they get delivered on all this stuff. They get saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, they're going so crazy. They need order. And you can read 1 Corinthians, all that stuff. But they're really, really zealous for the Lord. Well, in 1 Corinthians 11, we find that Paul has to address them because they're having division over the Lord's Supper. And you hear me read when we have communion that passage of Scripture. You hear me read that. Well, what was, what was ahead of that was Paul had to address that they were neglecting each other in what's called the agape feast. It was called the love feast. Agape means unconditional love, yet they weren't being unconditionally kind and loving to the rest of the body of Christ. And what happened was, <laughs> here's what happened. They started neglecting the poor Christians, and as result of neglecting the poor Christians, what happened, they started creating cliques in the congregation. And now we have class separation in the body of Christ. We got this group here, this group here, and tribalism takes over. What's happening is you got to be careful of tribalism because tribalism is now trumping community. Where people don't have community, but now if you're not in my tribe, you got to be in this group, and that's what was happening. Clicks begin to occur where the poor were over there, and some of these folks didn't even have food to eat. So when they got together for the agape feast, the love feast, the Lord's Supper, here's what they were doing. They were feasting for themselves, the people who had the ability to get food and go drive through Taco Bell, if you will. But they were neglecting the people that were starving and were hungry in the body. That's what they were doing. And Paul tells them, you guys are eating like fat cats. And then on top of that, you know what some of you spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers do? You're sitting there getting drunk. He tells them, you're a bunch of fat drunks. I preach in the way God gives them. I'm sorry. That's just the way it comes. He says, what you're doing? He said, you, you're just, you're just you're, and you're neglecting all these people. You have forgotten the reason why you're wealth. Now, let me tell you something. These Corinthians had more resources than anybody at that time. So here's what happens. Now we get past 1 Corinthians 11. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I'm giving you a little background here, okay? So here these Corinthians hear about how poor and poverty is happening around them that there's an offering collected for the Jews in Jerusalem who are being persecuted because they've gone and followed Jesus Christ and now they're being neglected. Their jobs are taken away. There's just poverty there. So he says, you guys got blessed. Let the Lord speak to you. And the Corinthian church has so much, they said, we'll do it. Let's make a commitment to help the work of the Lord. Okay? Well, it's past a year and they hadn't done jack squat. Okay, okay, for all you educated people, they didn't do anything. Okay? So Paul, what he does, he says, let me talk to you, Corinthians, to inspire you that it was the Lord that spoke to you, and it's the Lord that blessed you. We had to talk before about how you were treating people before, and now you're sucking back into this again, and you got a lot, but you don't think you have a lot because you got to take care of mine. And guess what happens? He starts talking about these Macedonian Christians, these Christian in Macedonia, that he says, let me show you a model of some people. He said, these Macedonian people are just wheels off. I can't believe what they're doing. He said, they have given and given to help the others in the body of Christ, the work of the Lord. And he said, and they're given beyond their ability to give. He says, they're given beyond their ability. So something supernatural is happening to these Macedonians while they're giving. But let me give you the background of the Macedonians. The Macedonians were in deep poverty. He said they are in bad poverty. These are the believers. They don't have any money. They are broke. They're being persecuted, losing their jobs for being Christians. And yet these people are outpacing you Corinthians who've got a lot in giving. 
He said, they're outpacing you. And he says, you know what they're doing? They have come begging me to do more. I have never in the history of all the years that I pastor had anybody come to me and beg me, pastor, I got to do more. I got some more money. What do you want to do? I got more. I got more. I got more. I wish the Macedonian spirit would hit the American church. But then Paul says, you made this commitment because the Holy Spirit spoke to you. He said, and these folks are broke, so don't tell me that you can't do it because I'm dealing with poverty-stricken people that are outpacing you. So he goes back and he reminds those, Macedo those Corinthians and he says, listen, you are doing good. He commends them. Let me give you the commendation he gives them in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. He says, since you excel, so he says, you're doing great. He says, you excel in so many ways, in faith. You're, you're growing in the Lord. You have gifted speakers. Man, I tell you, you got the gifted speakers in America. I mean, in the Corinthian church, you got so many gifted speakers. People line up to go see them. Can't wait to get their trembling hand on their forehead for an anointing. He says, your knowledge, you guys are always wanting more knowledge. You want more small groups, you want more teaching. He says, you're going after knowledge. He says, and your enthusiasm, man, I have watched you guys in praise and worship. You're up front, you're jumping around, you're worshiping God. I mean, you're, you, you shout out the opening of supermarkets. You guys are excited. And I know you love us and you love the ministry. But he says, here's something that needs to catch up because this has been my observation. We've dealt with this. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of what? Giving. In fact, he tells them it's a ministry. And he says, you need to finish the ministry of giving. Boy, you know, it doesn't take very long that you start looking at ourselves. We start looking in the mirror, the American church. We've got more gifted speakers. We've got more conferences. We've got more Christian concerts. <laughs> we, we've got more prophetic. We've got more podcasts than we could ever. I mean, we're going to OD on podcasts till we have mental indigestion. We've got more and more and more and more and more. More knowledge, more information. we got it more. But statistically, I can prove it to you. We've done less and less and less, and we have become a high-maintenance, low-impact body of believers many times in America. I'll be here all week, friends. I'll be here all week. So that's, that's, what, that's what the Holy Spirit is saying through Solomon. That's what he's saying through Paul. He said, there's something more to your work than your paycheck, like what I taught last week. How many of you love the one on work? Isn't that awesome? There's something more. You're anointed. And it's more than a paycheck, so that means that when you get and acquire wealth and provisions, there's something so big, so beyond, so gratifying, that even the Macedonians saw supernatural provision that they're giving more, and I know they don't have it, and they're giving beyond their ability. Something supernatural is happening. What's happening is he who refreshes others, he himself will be refreshed. One gives freely and gains even more. Something supernatural happens. How many want that just to keep on happening in your life and in my life? I want it to keep happening in my life. I really do. So why the deal of generosity? Let's go through this. Here's what he's saying. Generosity cares for the community. That's what it does. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. We're just going to kind of park here a little bit. He says to these Corinthians, you will be enriched. You will be enriched in every way. So don't just think it's in cash or promotions. He said, there's going to be greater joy in your life. There's going to be, there's going to be, they're going to see blessings in your kids. He says, you'll be rich in every way so that you can, what? What's the purpose for it? Always be what? Generous. 
And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, what ministry? The ministry of giving. They will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will what? Will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So <laughs> what is he saying here? Can I just cut to the chase? What he's saying is, is that your generosity is really an evidence that you're saved. That's what he's saying. Because the Jewish believers were very skeptical of Gentiles coming to Jesus Christ. They were skeptical of him. But he says, he says, what's happening is the people that used to be skeptical, first of all, think Messiah was just for the Jews, and they're skeptical. Now they're going, wait a minute, something has happened to the Gentiles. I mean, we're in need, and here they are providing for the work of the ministry here. Man, God is doing something in their life. They're just not just lip service, and they're not just having guest speakers, and they're not just dancing and just praising God and enthusiastic. It's proving through their ministry of giving, God has truly done something in their life. See, generosity, friends, how many know generosity really makes you like Jesus Christ? Who wants to be like Jesus? Amen. Put both arms and one leg up, please. Who wants to be like Jesus? Because that's what happens out of it. See, really what we don't want to say is my generosity is really about love. That's really what it is. John 3, 16, for God so the world that he, he gave his own life. It's an outpouring of it. In fact, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can't do it. Actually, what's happening here is money is becoming a very crucial test of my faith and my love for Jesus Christ. Am I really fearing and honoring the Lord, as the Holy Spirit said through Solomon? Am I really fearing and honoring him? And is it for me just to get bigger barns and vats, or is it really one gives freely and gains even more for God? Because God sees them now as not a warehouse, but a distribution center of the blessing God has given them. Man, when I get to heaven, I do not want to be known as Grand Rapids First Savings and Loan. Please, God, help us. I want them to know, I really, I, when we get there, I pray that we have emptied it all out, given it away to help people and win people to Jesus Christ. It's interesting. That's, a, that's an attribute of salvation. You know what concerns me? I see a lot of people in, in, our, in, in the world go, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. But when it comes to the money, they're an atheist. No, they're an atheist. You know what atheism is? It's saying there is no God that can apply to this particular area of my life. So when it comes to trusting Jesus for salvation, check. Eternal life, check. But when it comes to my money, I am an atheist and I will not apply his wisdom into this area of my life. Regardless of what it says in the word of God, I refuse to apply it. That's atheism. He doesn't exist. His word doesn't exist. I don't want to just, and guess what happens? When a Christian becomes an atheist in particular areas of life, they can say born again, but they become atheists so they don't apply God's word to that area. They become selective in their truth. I'm sorry, but I don't get to vote on what I get to keep and don't get to keep. I got to keep all of it. But what happens to a person that becomes an atheist in their finances when it comes to the things of God, what happens is they end up becoming stingy 
and then they resent anybody in the body that has a little more than them. Yeah, he's got all that money. I tell you, look at that. I bet they put their, look at that new car they got there. I bet they put their kids up for collateral for that. <laughs> They're sitting there griping about him. They can't sit there and when they get a new car, get in there and just crank up the music and start praising God to some Maverick song or something. When they get a new house, I can't believe, look at that. They could have used this for something else. No, if they are honoring God and God says they are a distribution center, they're not a warehouse that just stores up. They are a distribution center. It comes through, goes out. Let me tell you, you ought to get in their house, dance the carpet down to the burlap, buck and snort, shuck and jive, throw songbooks and start praising God that some heathen didn't get it, but a child of God got it and did something with it. Why don't you get a little happy for them? Oh my, that's the way the first, that's the way the, that's the way the early church was. The first Christians, they were famous for being generous. Oh, they were promiscuous with their money, but stingy with their bodies. The first Christians were not promiscuous with their bodies. They were promiscuous with their money. Whatever it is, God, what do you want? 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 How do we know this? Acts chapter 4, verse 34. I never preached nothing the Bible doesn't say. You ready to go to it? There were no needy persons among them. This is the early church. There were no needy persons among them. There were no needy persons among them. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned, from time to time, this would happen. People would actually sell their land and their houses. They sold them and then brought it to the pastor's feet, the sales, to the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone that had a need. what they did. Oh, but wait a minute. You can read verse 34, but you got to find out why verse 34 happened. You got to go to verse 31. Guess what happened in verse 31? They were being threatened by the teachers of the law and the religious people saying, you guys shut up, quit talking about this Jesus, stop it, quit these signs and miracles, stop your Bible studies, quit meeting together. They threatened them, but the Bible said, they said, Lord, you heard their threats, but now, Father, would you stretch out your mighty hand in the name of your holy servant Jesus? And the Bible says the place was beginning to be shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They got filled. They started praying in the Spirit. They started ministering to people again. Let me tell you why they were generous. It's because they got filled with the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Spirit responds with generosity. That's what it does. That's what it does. So I don't care how much you shondai the wallpaper off the wall. <laughs> the attribute of a Spirit-filled life is Father, you bless me. Look at your provision for me and my family. Now show me what to do with this to leverage for the kingdom of God. How we doing, everybody? This is why I like the spiritual church. What, listen, when Pastor Troy and Sue Ellen got up there and they started talking about drive-by July, and we're not even done with drive-by July. We've already sent two big old box truck loads of food. That's because the spirit-led people, God's blessed you so much, you're wanting to bless somebody else with food. That's spirit-led. I pray we get another 20 box loads because y'all just keep dumping more food over there because there are people hungry in this city. I pray you get info mail for families that are trying to make it with children. Go load that bad boy up. Amen, amen. Go forego your cup of coffee just for a while. Go do something. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. Oh, church, that's what we do. 
I mean, those shoes, all those kids, I think it's a whole school that we might have provided for. All those kids in that school that, that has high needs, all those kids are going to walk into their classroom with a brand new pair of sneakers. And this, the reason, through your giving through this church, those kids, and they're going to remember the people in the body of Christ that put those shoes on their feet with such great joy, blessing them in the name of Jesus, show them the love of Jesus Christ. How many believe that's the stuff that we can do? I mean, I love it. I love it. I mean, that's why, that's why you're, you're, you're made a distribution center. Grand Rapids First is not savings alone. It is a distribution center. Go serve. Pastor Eric, we got how many churches now on board? We have 82 churches that now, from Go Serve, if you haven't loaned Go Serve, just go get on there, go look at it. We start a little over, uh, not even two years yet. We're getting ready, October will be the first time we did the second year distribution, right? Through those churches, those 80 churches, we get those products from these big boxes that are donated, put in the hands of believers just like you in their churches, go minister in the name of Jesus and in the name of your church so they have community with the family. 82 churches now, and through those 82 churches, including ours, we've already distributed over, we just crossed the $7 million mark in retail value of products that have been used to touch people. $7 million. That's in not even two years yet, everybody. We're empowering other churches. The church at the end of the driveway is a pod we're helping. When was the last time you saw Burger King giving money to McDonald's to help them get a little better start? Because we're different in the kingdom of God. It's not protecting the island and protecting us. And are they going to that church? Going to, I don't care what church they go to. Just get in a church, grow, and do something for God. Go do something. Sorry, I got a little excited on that one. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been coughing a little bit. Let me have a little drink, baby. It's, it's those Canadians, they need to give up smoking. Messing up my, my, messing my pipes up. <clears throat> come to America. <clears throat> We're no smoking area. Just come on. It's a great place. Stop it. I got to get this done. Y'all quit laughing. But serious, friends, I'm always asking God, what is it? What is it, God? What is it next? I do not want to stand before God and say, this is how many millions we have amassed and saved so we can pave the parking lots. I want the parking lots paved. They need it. Lord knows you'll, you'll lose your car in one out there. I want to stand before him and say, God, we were a distribution center, empowering churches. That's the reason why North Point Bible, that's the reason North Point College is over there. We want those kids walking out debt-free, going into ministry, going around the world, going into rural communities, going to urban areas without any debt. With a Pastor Trent, keep going, brother. Keep going. Because we don't have time. We're a distribution center. And I, can I tell you one other thing that's going to happen? I don't know if I should tell you. Okay, I got a few minutes here. Okay, Pastor Sam's going to prison. No, I am. Not the way you think. I'm going to tell you about a ministry. I want you to know, this is why God told us, keep being a dispute. This is why generosity is crucial to a person's salvation. We got involved with a, 
networking with a, a group. It's called Pando. It's an app. But what it really does is it is a ministry that allows inmates that are incarcerated in prisons across the nation to get connected with local churches, their services, their teaching, and even their worship music if they produce it. And uh, they put tablets in prisons across America. And it started really ramped up here when COVID hit. And now there are over 300,000 of these tablets that give inmates, both men and women, the ability to access the word of God in preaching. There are 300,000 in there right now in prisons across America. Inmates can check it out. They can have, use the, 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 the tablet. They get it back. The new content keeps going up. And every day, let me just show you the effectiveness. Every day, over 500,000 users use it a day in our prisons. 500,000. Here's the beauty of it. Those tablets have what's called GEO uh, targeting, geo targeting. And what it does, it allows that inmate to find a church near them so that when they get released from prison, they can start connecting with that ch church because it's used by geo-targeting so they can find out where is that church closest to me when I get out. Now, to me, let me tell you why that's so crucial and important. The reason that is crucial, they said that if an inmate doesn't get two things, housing and then a local church to be a family with, the statistics shoot through the roof that they go back into the system. But if they can get housing and they can get connected to a local body that helps them spiritually grow, the statistics just plummet for them to keep walking out their victory after their release. So, what we're doing is we're going to be able to get into these prisons. They say you'll get up anywhere from 50 to 100 letters in a month. Just from them, of course, but we already get some right now, some, some that are watching just through our, our own online platform. But here's the deal. Our church is going to do it. We are the first church on the entire west side of the state, the first church that is on this platform, on the west side of Michigan. First church, west side of Michigan. We've made a commitment to put a thousand tablets, and we're going to start this June. This Jan July, I know where I am. <laughs> it's that, they gotta quit that smoke, it's messing my brain up. We're gonna put a thousand tablets in, and the cost of that, that includes uploading, maintaining the systems, all that, and a thousand tablets is around $18,000 per year. We made a commitment to do it. Let me tell you something, church. Your generosity, as you keep blessing this church, we're going to keep doing that. I pray we get to blow past 1,000. I pray we start putting 10,000 tablets out there. I pray we put so many tablets that every single inmate has one. So they're going to get... They'll do the geo-targeting. They'll get Pastor Sam's teaching. They'll get our grow tracks. They, can, you know, they, they might even become members even while they're incarcerated. Seriously, members of the church, they got a body to go to right when they come out. I told, I, told, I told our team, I said, I want to get to the place where we network with, the, with others in the community that are already existing to get housing, to get them in a place. That's why we're blessed, everybody. 
I can't wait. They're going to hear, they're going to hear wind and embers. They said, we have very little worship content on there of churches. We've already got it already. We got all that stuff already ready to go. I mean, we can start right away. We got it. We got all the wind and embers. Sarah's in heaven. She didn't even know she's still going to bless inmates right here. She's going to be in heaven. I mean, Pastor Drew, I mean, think about that. You know, my point is about that. My point is about that is whatever you do for the gospel never expires. It never goes away. That's my point. And church, when you're generous like that, this is important. You say, well, why is this so important? Because Jesus said when he comes to that final judgment, he's going to put the sheep on the right, the goats on the left. And he says to them, he says, let me tell you why you're entering righteous. It's because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink of water. When I was a stranger, you invited me in your home. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick and in prison, you came to visit me. And he says, come on in. They said, but Jesus, when were, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When were you a stranger? He said, when you did it under the least of these, my brothers and sisters, so come enter into the joy of the Lord. But he's going to look to the other ones who did absolutely nothing with the wealth and the billions of dollars they had. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I do not. They said, well, how did we know what to do it? Why didn't we, when, 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 when did we see you as sick or in prison? He said, when you did it under the prisoners, you did it under the sick, you did it under the thirsty, you did it under the hungry, you were doing it to me. You were doing it to me. You know why? Because generosity doesn't just honor the Lord. It really shows you are a Christian and you care about people around you. I don't want you to tithe because it's just the word of God and give beyond it. I want you to do it because you really say you're a Jesus follower. See, that's a little tough. I never ask you to live up to something that God didn't ask me to live up to something. You know why I need to keep being generous? You know why Brenda and I have to keep looking and saying, are we being generous enough? Are we being generous enough? Are we being generous enough? You know why I keep doing it? Because generosity conquers covetousness. He said in verse 5, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. It means not one given with greed because the person who's always resenting it while it's going, it's because greed is trying to control. Let me tell you how to conquer it. Paul says, I know you live in a materialistic culture, Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, I know you and I live in a highly materialistic culture. I want, we got entitlement mentalities. We don't learn delayed gratification. You know the best way to conquer greed? is to give it. When the Word says, this is what you ought to do, and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this, you just do it, no questions asked. Mm. That's a problem with America. Our creed is greed and our God is gold. I'm asking God to make people wealthy in this church. I have no bones saying that. I want you to get your degrees. I want you to excel in the company. I want you to go up the ladder. I don't care if you're flipping burgers. I want you to own the restaurant. I want to see inventions happen out of this place. I'll declare it. I want to see some of you millionaires. I want to see billionaires. I'll say it out of this church. Because I believe that God will find somebody that's doing that very thing, knowing that the reason why I'm empowered is beyond my work. It's beyond the pay. It is something that I'm doing for the kingdom of God that he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. You saw it back then and you were doing it. Friends, how many believe God wants to bless a church and bless a people that want that heart? I really do believe it. I want you to excel. But he's saying to those, he's saying to those Corinthians, he says, you're going to stop excelling 
We just want, 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 want. It's like the pastor who loved going to this one family's house after church. They always invited him because she was a great cook. The wife was a great cook. But he couldn't stand their son, little bitty kid, because she made these homemade dinner rolls. And the first thing is sit down. The pastor sit down, and he'd pray over the meal, and the little kid would lick his finger and touch every roll and go, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> pastor got so angry at the kid, so one time he went over, he said, I'm going to beat this kid at it. He prayed, and real quick, he already had his finger wet. The pastor had his finger wet, and he went, mine, 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 mine. Little kid looked up at him, licked his finger, and said, yours, 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 yours. We always want, and if it's not ours, we want to take it from somebody else. Giving conquers it. The cure for greed is giving. Generosity it is the sign that God is doing something about it. The antidote for materialism is generosity. You say, Pastor, well, why, why, how should I give? Look what he said in verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Look at that. Then you will always have everything you need. So he's not, he's not skipping you. And plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely, give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered when? Forever. There's an eschatological character put in this word. That it's not here about getting your, getting your 10% in so you can get the deduction. That's a wonderful blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. You really say amen to that. Because Australia doesn't get that. Other countries don't get that. We get that benefit. And we've been praying that it stays in there. Because then we're really going to find out who gave because they love Jesus. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but he's saying, he's talking about in time and eternity. It's not about everybody saying how wonderful you get and get you your brass plaque. and that's, that's all great. But he's saying here. What he's saying is, is that there's something that is eternal. He said there's a future for you that blows past this little finite short time you're on this earth sucking in air. This all goes away, everybody. It all goes away. It's eternal. And that's why Jesus would say, Luke 16, 9, he says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, because they all go away. It all goes away. Go ahead and polish the car, but it's going away. It's all right. Take care of it. Steward it. God gave it to you. When it's all gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. That means that there are people waiting on the other side of your generosity and obedience to the word of God and generosity that are going to say, you didn't even know it. But that's the reason why I'm here. I'm going to tell you, so, so many of you are going to be absolutely floored when you stand before them. You are going to be floored at the people you impacted. You're going, I don't even know this person. You're going to be floored. I mean, you are literally going to weep with so much joy when you get there. It's because the greatest investment that I can ever make is not with my mutual fund, Not with your 501k. The greatest investment you will ever make is the kingdom of God and its work. Jesus said it, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves 
where thieves do not break in and steal. How do I do this? I'll tell you how you do it. You invest in souls, in people who are going there and who you want to get there. So you know where I need the biggest account? I don't need the biggest account when I say, I'm ready to retire. That's when I do not need my biggest account. And that's not when you need yours. You need your biggest account where you're going to end up spending the most time. And when you get there, time will be no more because it's for forever. This is why the longer I serve Jesus, the more I look at the reason why he's given me the ability to be blessed, to truly look at it, am I really preparing for where there is no more time, but it is forever? Because I will hear every single person that the Holy Spirit spoke to me to bless or ministry church, given to this church. There's going to come a time and I will hear their thanksgiving forever and ever. You will walk through eternity and they're going to keep saying, thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because they're going to remember you were the one that empowered somebody to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many thank God, friends? We are part of the greatest enterprise in the universe, the kingdom of God.